Hey, welcome back to The Last of Us, presented by Pop Culture Leftovers. I'm Brian from Pop Culture Leftovers. I am joined by Joe, also from Pop Culture Leftovers. Welcome, Joe. Hey, stoked to be here. And we have Melissa Sloter from the Wild Pretty Things podcast. Welcome, Melissa. Hello, thank you for having me. And we've got Billy from The Reality Guys on YouTube. Welcome, Billy. Hey, guys. This is that. This was this is it. This is it for this season, guys. This is uh man, I can't believe that we are here. I can't believe I don't know about you, but my first like usually I'm talking about like how my second watch is like sometimes even more impactful. I feel like on this episode for me it because it was such an edge of your seat episode that it felt for me at least I was a little relieved watching it the second time because I knew what was coming. But the first on my first watch, I was on the edge of my seat. There were multiple times where I felt like I was putting myself in Joel's shoes. And when he is going around and he is just popping guys off, popping fireflies, shooting them and shit like that, I was... I would there were moments I was gritting my teeth and scowling at the screen because I was so invested in keeping Ellie alive this episode and then when he finally was holding her in the elevator I was saying out loud like thinking about his daughter Sarah and I kept, I said out loud multiple times like not again not again like, like we can't let this happen again. He's not going to lose this one. I have, I seriously have never been so invested um, in, in an episode for a long time. I think since maybe like Breaking Bad or something like that. Um, but uh, this one really affected me. On the second watch, it was a lot easier for me, I think, because I, I knew – the outcome of the episode, but I absolutely loved it. I thought it was a tremendous episode. And last week I was talking about how the walking dead prepares you that, you know, every finale is going to be like a big kind of huge, like budget thing where a bunch of a herd of walkers are going to be going after the group. And this episode totally, you know, showed me like, yeah, you don't have to do that in this series. It's not about it doesn't have to be a, a whole like uh us versus the clickers episode. It can be something much more personal to the characters. Um but I loved it. Um and I want to get your guys' thoughts on the finale. Look for the light. Billy, let's start with you, man. What did you think? It was a masterful finale. It created like you said tension throughout this episode and this series in a whole, but this episode in particular, Brian, you put a great point is that you, you really put yourself in Joel's shoes. It, it really, I felt myself, you questioned the decision. You have to think like, would you sacrifice in theory, the world for the person that's most important to you? And would you be willing to take the risks and the consequences of that decision? And, it doesn't think seem and you see by the actions that Joel does not question that for one moment and just 
like I, you know, I had to bite my tongue last week when you're talking about what kind of finale can we get? Will it be this big bombastic finale in a lot of ways it was, but again, this series, it was the quiet moments. It was the giraffe. It was Ellie asking him at the end, are you telling me the truth? Are you lying to me? Like those are the moments that weeks from now, months from now, I'll be sitting and stewing on, but I think from beginning to end, I had my breath held. I think they landed the ending to a T and really looking forward to talking details and theorizing a little with you guys about what they want to do next. <laughs> yeah, I'm theorizing. Oh my God. I guess I could just jump ahead and play the next game, but I'm not going to. <laughs> I'm going to stay away. Melissa, what did you think? Uh, yeah, I'm with you. I had a really intense experience watching this episode. I... Um, I was right with Joel. I was behind every decision he was making until up into a certain point when he starts lying to Ellie and he, because he's afraid of what her choice would be, he's also not giving her a choice. And I know that that is a lot of what we're going to talk about in this episode, but man, like, I don't know what's more gut wrenching like the episode or realizing that like Joel is treating Ellie the same way, you know? Cause like I'm following this person. I'm, I'm agreeing with what he's doing. Like he's a father figure to Ellie when I'm, you know, when I'm empathizing with her in the show, he's like a father figure to me. And then to see him do that to her was like horrible. It felt horrible, which I know the, the consequences and the complexity of these questions are what the game's about. And it's what the show's about. And it, it's like, telling how good the source material is and how good this adaptation is that I'm right there feeling those things. But like, I'm not saying he should have made another choice in the hospital. And I'm not even saying like, I don't understand his choices with her after the fact, but it hurts me <laughs> to watch it. Yeah. 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 I think, I think we're all left with those same, same feelings. Yeah, after it's the, a gut punch, man. After the episode ended. Um, yeah. Joe. Yeah, dude, I'm I'm right with you. I was on the edge of my seat watching this because I just I just didn't know. I I've seen HBO get rid of main characters seemingly on a whim before in the past, and so I just didn't know how this was going to go. I don't have the experience. I have I've played a bit of the game. I've not finished it, and so I I had no idea what was ahead of us in this, and. I, I loved the the opening on this where we get to see Ellie's mother and then her birth and and then jumping back into the main story. And we, we see that 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 traumatized Ellie that, that I was thinking last week we were going to get. And it's just this total role reversal where where she's the one that's distant and Joel is the one that's just trying as hard as he can to make this connection and all these things that he's refused to do in the past. Now he's just you know, openly asking her to partake in, like he's just trying to get that spark back. And and to me, this entire finale is, it hinges on the character development that is built through this entire season of television. And that our characters have now gotten to this point and we care about them so much as an audience. And you can see that they care about each other so much. And just with everything that Ellie's gone through, that this this culmination that she has in her mind of this is my purpose. I need to go. We need to get to the fireflies. Even in, even, you know, after the drafts, when Joel is saying, you know, Hey, you don't have to do this. And she's like, no, we have to do this and go all the way. But then when Joel finds out what the actual price is, <clears throat> you know, he's absolutely unwilling to go through it. And I mean, not only is, is it, 
these echoes of what happened to him in the past with his own daughter. But the the fact to me that it, it really hinged on, you know, the, oh, the, this doctor thinks that this is going to work. He's theorizing that this is going to work. And so that means that there's a chance that it might not work and she might die for nothing. And as a parent, man, that really connected with me. Like, like could, could I allow one of my children to be sacrificed for the betterment of the world? Sorry to say world. No, <laughs> like mm-hmm. I would be in Joel's shoes as well. Like, I don't know if I'd make it as far through that hospital as he did, but goddamn, I'd be fucking trying. And and then the bit at the end, too, that that disturbed you, Melissa, with the fact that he lied about it. That is that's a parent taking care of their child where for better or for worse, there's times where when you're a parent, you have to lie to your child about something. And and with the way that this show goes and with the character development, I just feel like we're really going to see the ramifications of that in the next uh, season. And this was just a very, very powerful season finale of television. And and also, like you were saying, Brian, that you're conditioned to see these big battles, these big, huge events, and to have a season finale that is based entirely on paying off the character development is it's really fantastic when that happens. That was something that like Loki on Disney Plus was willing to do, where it didn't follow that usual Marvel formula of we're going to give you this big, huge CGI battle at the end, and it's going to be very comic booky and awesome. And it was no, they they let the character development in that stand, and you were able to understand why these characters felt the way they did and were acting the way they did, and that totally plays through with this as well. And this only works on shows where where it has really fantastic writing, and you know, granted, this had some amazing source material to adapt from, but they handled it so deftly did this season of television so well, I think that this is going to be one of those seasons of television that we find ourselves coming back to and talking about over and over again in years to come. Man, I here's the thing. I guess I'm kind of just jumping ahead because I'm really dying to, to talk about this. I don't... I mean, I have problems with how he handled it with L.A., and I, I guess we can talk about that. But on the flip side, I have so many problems with the way that the Fireflies handled this situation, that it's basically Ellie has to die and sacrifice herself unbeknownst to her, unbeknownst, you know, unbeknownst to her that she doesn't get a choice in the matter and that there's no other experiments done. It's not like it's just human trial. We're going for it. If she dies, she dies. She's going to die. Um, And hopefully this hopefully this works like you know, there's no animal trials. Like we can't try to replicate this in mice or something. I mean, there's nothing. It's just. I was very frustrated by that as well. Yes. Like <laughs> yeah, there, there's you guys no are functioning... doing very like suspect science, and like you do not have a lot of chances. I mean, I'm not yeah, a. Like, I'm not there's a. No functioning MRI machine there yeah. where they can image her brain and actually see what's going in or going on and take a more focused approach. And instead, it's like no, they're doing like this. Now we got to butcher and see what's up with it after the fact. And, and I don't even hopefully it's going to work. This guy's got a theory. Joe, <laughs> I don't even know if I buy the fact that they're like, oh, we didn't know it was you. And that's why we, you know, but hit you at the butt of the gun and knocked. I felt like they knocked him the fuck out so they could get him away from Ellie to get her under the knife. Like, I don't even mm-hmm. trust him there. So well, and then they didn't tell her either. I like, Yes, I just. Give it's her a choice. Because she, we know what she would have done. We heard her talking about it earlier in the episode. And that's heartbreaking and terrible. But, like, 
she deserved to either have the choice. Like, she deserved to, if Joel as her father figure was going to take it away from her, she deserved to at least know that and yeah. have her anger about it. She, well, Joel deserved the moment of her, like, touching his face and saying, this is what has to be done. Yeah, and you have to let me do this. Like, and, Yeah, you have to let me do this. Instead, he's driven to a murderous rampage, which in the moment... <laughs> I'm all for. Felt so, amazing. Yes. Oh, yeah. absolutely all for. As far as I'm concerned, at that point, the Fireflies showed their true colors. And Marlene showed her true colors. Yeah. That, that, that she's willing to sacrifice a child on the chance that it will save humanity. And when you break it down to those terms, is humanity worth saving if that's the cost? Fuck no. And We've it, seen what these people are out here doing. <laughs> <laughs> It's it, it, it's a very interesting moral dilemma where it, it's kind of like that that trolley experiment where, you know, if you, you're standing and you can flip a switch and if you flip this switch, it's going to save one person on the tracks, but it's going to actually run over six of them if it goes this way. And so you have to decide, do I run over six people to save this person I care about or do I let the person I care about die and sacrifice those other six people where it's it's a. It's a dilemma where there's no clean answer out of it. And this is like that. And and I think when it comes down to it and you're asking somebody to make that choice and the person that has to be sacrificed is somebody that that you have the love of a parent for, it's it's not a choice that a parent can make. And and to me, it was the only choice that Joel was able to make in that situation. What I would say, Joe, is like all the arguments for what you're saying is what I think the show has done a really good job of doing, though, is showing that there really are no good guys or bad guys and everyone is driven to a motivation for some reason. And I think there's more story to tell with all of this, you know, and there how did they get to that position where as doctors you're willing to do this, right? How do you as Marlene, when you're supposed to be your best friend, really feel driven enough to actually make these decisions. Right. And I'm not here to say that it's worth sacrificing a child to save humanity. I, it's a, it's a tough question. I'm not a parent either. Right. And so mm-hmm. it's it be very easy for me to say like, yeah, no, let the kid make their decision. But what I would just say about this world and what we'll continue to see in this story is that there are a lot of layers to this. And right now we've seen it through the lens of Joel and Ellie, and there are just a lot of lenses. Right. And that's kind of what I kind of my view just on anything that they'll introduce in this world in general. Let's open up this episode. Uh, It was titled uh, Look for the Light. It was directed by Ali Abbasi and uh, written by series creators Craig Mazin and Neil Druckmann. And uh, this is the season finale. And we start 14 years in the past and we're watching a pregnant woman named Anna. She's running through the woods. Uh, she's in labor and then she gets to this abandoned farmhouse. This is where she's supposed to be meeting Marlene and the other fireflies. Now, um, I recognize this actor. Uh, she was, uh, it's Ashley Johnson and she played little Chrissy Seaver on growing pains. And <laughs> true. And uh, I've seen her pop up in many things over the years um, as a child actor. And then even as an adult, I remember her most recently playing the waitress in the Avengers. Yeah. The one that cap saves. Yeah. She actually had and, an ex- and for, 
Oh, go For ahead. me, I was like, hey, that's Mel Gibson's daughter from What Women Want. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Solid throwback. So, um, she's uh, She finds herself in this abandoned farmhouse. She goes inside. She locks herself in a room. She's hearing the infected outside of the room. She's got the switchblade, and the switchblade should look very familiar to us. This is the same switchblade that we see Ellie with. Uh, throughout the entire series. And they focused on the Switchblade in this episode a few times. There's a moment where, you know, uh, it's taken um, from Ellie before she goes into the surgery, getting prepped for the surgery, and Joel takes it off one of the dead soldiers. He, like, makes sure to get that Switchblade back for her. Um, But uh, Anna uh, is uh, attacked by one of the infected... And uh, she kills it with the switchblade, um, and uh, her baby is born. Um, she was bitten, and she very quickly cuts the umbilical cord and then starts to hold her baby. And I knew where this was going. Like, as soon as I saw the pregnant woman, I knew that this was this was her mother. They could not Same. have cast uh any better just by looks like like ashley johnson looks like an older bella ramsey like they look like they could be related i thought they did a fantastic job getting a a good actor and then also making sure that she has like the look they they really look a lot a lot alike i was kind of blown away um, by that it's really cool, Bri, like the symbolism of it, too, because she is Ellie from the games. So to be the one to give birth to the Ellie of the series is kind of cool. And a real. And when you hear her voice and stuff, game players, I know for sure, like even like the, the grunts and the pains of the childbirth and like when she's fighting, you hear that. That's Ellie's voice. Like it's Ellie. Like that's Ellie to me. And I hear it. Every and I know every game player listening right now will agree and is nodding that, but it's just really an, another awesome way to incorporate one of the actors from the, the actual game. I'm learning this now. I had no idea she was Ellie from the game. Oh, nice. No, no, Ashley Johnson's Ellie. <laughs> I had no idea. I'm like learning this like right now, and that is so fucking cool. Wow. Oh, that is awesome. Yeah. Oh my god. I, I thought that they cast her, Billy. That's the whole reason I went into like how she looked. I thought like, wow, what they've done a great job with casting here because she looks like Bella Ramsey. I had no idea she was the voice of Ellie in the game. Yeah, no, that's Ellie. So uh, they they did a great job this whole season with incorporating those actors, you know, Marlene. And, yeah. you know, we had um, we had the gentleman last you know, was last episode. Yeah. With all the with the uh religious sect troy baker um playing the sidekick character who gets sliced off by ellie and we've seen plenty of them throughout yeah so but that this one was my favorite by far that's wild yeah that's so cool i'm so glad that uh that uh they did that for the the people that play the game what a Oh wow. <laughs> my I'm sorry, my mind is fucking blown right now. <laughs> yeah, the symbolism with that is perfect because, you know, she she is Ellie. She was the one who originally brought Ellie to life for this what was a 2013 release of the game and and now to be cast as her mother in the show, she's bringing Ellie to life on the screen in front of us too. And yeah, that was amazing. Amazing 
placement for her in this. Oh, wow. Uh, so what happens is uh, Marlene and uh, another Firefly get there late. They see Anna holding her newly born baby. Anna shows her that she's been bit and says, listen, I cut the umbilical cord before the bite. She's not infected. She knows she's lying here, but she wants to give her baby a chance. Um, she wants Marlene to kill her and to take the baby somewhere where she's going to be taken care of. And, um, man, I'm telling you, when Marlene says she can't do it, she leaves the room, hands the baby to the other firefly. And then when Marlene just makes a beeline and heads straight into that room and you hear the gunshot and the baby starts to cry, that's when I started to like, I started to get emotional. Cause like, it's like I formed a connection with the older version of this baby. And now I'm going back and seeing the origin story and how traumatic it was and how, you know, that's the night Ellie lost her mom. And just the fact that there's a connection between, you know, I wasn't thinking of the like the loud gunshot scaring Ellie and making her cry. I was more connecting it to like her mother just being gone. And oh, yeah, that she was feeling the loss of her mother more than just the the scare at the at the loud noise. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure, you know, you can it's it's probably the loud noise. But I as the viewer, I was just like trying to make it a I felt like I was making it maybe a little deeper than it should be that you know it's like the loss of her mom and that's when she starts to cry so and I that, don't really think there is a looking at this particular show like too deeply you know the creators are so invested in it that I think everything is meaningful if you see it I think it's there yeah yeah and that's what hit for me I I started to get emotional when when Ellie started crying there, it was just well, uh, heartbreaking. I was getting, I was getting like really frustrated with Marlene. I probably had forgotten that this was so much earlier than when we met her. Cause we know that she's basically willing to do whatever it takes, but I was getting frustrated with her telling her best friend she's known her whole life. Like, Oh, I can't do this. And it's like, this can't be your first time. Like, you know, this is what has to be done and you are going to, like wimp out when it's your best friend that like needs you to do this for her. But then when Anna says, I want you to take her and find somebody to raise her. So it's like Marlene, I would love to watch a spinoff just about her because that is a complex woman because she's doing all this. She's, she's not, she, she has to be convinced to kill Anna when we basically all agree it's the right thing to do in that moment. And then her best friend knows that she can't raise a baby or that she won it and is basically saying, like, just find a good person. I know it won't be you. Like, I'm not going to ask you to do that thing. And I just it's so complex. Yeah, I, I think I mean, it's still got to be a hard thing to just kill your just go in there and shoot. Oh, your my best God, friend. it would be horrible. You know, you, you just your humanity. I don't know. I mean, it's a real dilemma because it's like, do you let somebody you love turn into a monster or do you grant them the mercy of not letting that happen to them? Mm -hmm. And it is this episode's full of moral quandaries like mm -hmm. that. Um, do anybody else notice that Ellie's origin story is almost the exact same as Blade's? 
No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was like, that's the same way you make a daywalker. <laughs> it's true. Well, in the comics. <laughs> I am going off the movie here. Oh. In the comics, it was Deacon Frost who, like, Deacon Frost. <laughs> I can't believe I'm getting into this. I love that this is where we're going. <laughs> <laughs> in the comics, um, Deacon Frost was the, do- like, Blade's mother was giving birth and Deacon Frost was the doctor that they brought in to, to while she was giving labor and and um yeah he attacked her right before she gave birth and then Blade he he thought that Blade died in the womb and the baby was born and he didn't Deacon Frost didn't realize that he had created the ultimate vampire killer that night like <laughs> yeah yeah. Hey, so the movie was pretty damn close. Though. Very close. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, we're talking about Last of Us, right? <laughs> hey, they're the ones who ripped off Blade. I mean, that's on. true. Yeah. <laughs> You're so true. I never put that together, Joe. That's brilliant. Um, but uh, yeah, we jump to present day, and I, you know, last episode we talked about like all the emotional trauma that Ellie went through. Uh, what. Uh, at her time at that, at that cannibal cult and um, how she was going to be like, I kept saying, and we all agreed that, that she's just not going to bounce back from that, that there's going to be some emotional trauma and things she's going to have to work through. And that's what we see here. It's Joel trying to cheer her up. He finds some, you know, uh, chef Boyardee ravioli and a game of boggle. And she's just, She's lost in her thoughts and and he can't bring that that bubbly child out of her. You know, we know it's still there. He just can't bring it out of her. She's just gone through so much. And he's I mean, I've never seen Joel uh, try to try to console without being overtly. It's like he doesn't know. He's not a therapist. He's not like that guy. He's not like he doesn't know how to handle this. He's um reminded me of like Hank Hill trying to talk to Bobby Hill. <laughs> Joe, I don't know. He never watched King of the Hill. <laughs> but um he just doesn't know how to talk to her about this. And so he's just trying to bring up good things and like, Oh, play the guitar. I can teach you how to play the guitar. You'd be great at playing the guitar. And, and he wants to cheer her up. He just doesn't. And he wants to see the old Ellie back, but he just doesn't know how to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And and I feel like that's another thing that, that you do. I mean, not just as a parent, but, but if, if there's a loved one that, that, you know, is is going through some shit and you're just doing everything you can to try and cheer them up and there's just some situations that the that time and distance from that traumatic event is really going to be the only thing that's yeah. going to start to to heal it and you can tell that time's gone by in this because that last episode they were in full on winter I don't know how long it takes to walk from <laughs> from Colorado to Salt Lake City but you know, there's not snow on the ground everywhere now, so it's some time has passed and she's, you know, understandably still very traumatized by what happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, they, uh, let's see here. Yeah, they're climbing through uh, this abandoned 
building and they're trying to find a way to get to the to the hospital and um Joel bo- gives uh, Ellie a boost while they're in this building and Ellie just starts to run off and this is like where the kid starts to come back a little bit you know she mm-hmm. just takes off she something catches her eye and she just takes off and Joel's worried about her I'm worried about her it's like oh my god we don't know what's in this building blah 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 and uh, this is where they come across the giraffe. And this is one thing that I do know from the game that there is there is a there's a moment where they do interact with the with the giraffes in the game. Billy, maybe yeah, no, that is a legitimate scene. Sorry, I was muted, but no, that's a legitimate scene from the game for sure. Yeah, yeah. I I, I think it was like the most like looked forward to moment. Oh, maybe besides kind of this finale sequence and the choice and everything like that. That was probably like the most memorable lasting image for gamers for the first game. So hmm. the fact that they even used a, a real giraffe was pretty cool too. That was a real giraffe. Yeah. yeah. It was a, that was a legit giraffe. Oh God. I'm so used to CG animals. I just assumed it was a CG <laughs> giraffe. Yeah, oh, giraffes awesome. are so cool. Like yeah. every zoo that I've been to that has giraffes, like, Every single one of them has got something set up where little kids can go and feed the giraffes Mm -hmm. because they're just that non-threatening. They're they're cool. And and also, you know, what child isn't amazed by a giraffe? There's no other animal out there that really looks like that. And they're just so big and, and so gentle. That whole scene was fantastic. And you see her giggling and she's like, oh, this is so fucking cool. Jeffrey the giraffe. (laughs) Yeah, a little Toys R Us for you. I went to <clears throat> I went to Bush Gardens about ten years ago, and uh, they had a, a interactive giraffe experience where you'd get on the back of a truck and then they'd drive you out like a flatbed and they'd drive you out there and then you could stand on the truck and then feed the giraffe some leaves or something and went out there and did it and it was awesome man they just like called a particular giraffe over and giraffe would come over and then put its head down and just start you'd see that big black tongue come out of its mouth and just start chomping down on the leaves and stuff and it was it was awesome man nothing that's amazing yeah the places i've been to it's just like it was basically exactly like what joel and ellie did where it's just a raised platform that the giraffes know that if people are standing there with leaves in their hand that it's an easy meal oh wow yeah yeah so um very cool scene had no idea that was a real giraffe that's pretty amazing um the giraffe leaves and uh ellie goes to uh take off after it um this is where they stop and they have a conversation about um you know joel's basically telling her like they don't have to go to the hospital that they could just turn around and uh go back to wyoming and 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 you know stay with tommy and uh, Ellie says that, um, you know, after everything, she'll do whatever Joel wants. They can, you know, go to a, a sheep farm wherever. But she's like, we have to we have to finish. We, we, we've gone too far. We can't do this halfway. We got to finish this. Yeah, she is. She's not having it. She's like it, and also with, with Joel, like waiting, it's like you're literally in the city now. <laughs> where this hospital is at but i i think he's starting to he's really starting to worry about the future because so far he's just been living in the now of 
getting to Salt Lake City and turning her over to the Fireflies. Sure, that's the goal. But now that that goal, the reality of it is so close, I think he's starting to feel like, no, I, I can't let you go. Yeah. I don't think he ever really thought they were going to get there, right? Or that it was going to be tangible. There would be fireflies, yeah. right? He's like, at some point, something's going to stop us, right? Or she's going to not want to. And she's got all the resolve in the world. And that's like the le- it's, it's it's like his favorite quality about her until now. Um, they also Joel has a talk with Ellie about the um, about the gunshot wound that he has um, in his head and told her that it was not from a previous fight, that it was actually a, a suicide attempt. Yeah, he says that he was the one who shot and missed. Mm-hmm. And dude, that made my jaw drop. But then at the same time, it was, you know, outside of Tommy, this was this was his whole reason for living. And and she literally died in his arms. Mm hmm. And, and and of course, that would have brought him to that that point where he's like, wow, the world's ended. Literally, my own world has ended. The the thing that I care about the most is gone. She died on my watch. I'm sure there's a lot of self guilt in that where where he feels like it's his fault. And and some sort of twist of fate intervened where he said at the last moment he flinched and he still doesn't understand how it happened. And then when Ellie tells him that she's glad that it did happen that way, like, wow, wow, what a powerful scene. Yeah. And she and basically, you know, she she's tries saying, like, um, you know, you're trying to tell me that time heals all wounds. And he tells her that it wasn't time that did it. Basically saying, like, because we know, like, we've seen this character and him holding on to that throughout everything and it's finally the love that he has now for Ellie. It's kind of like his second chance at life and living a life that he wants to wants to pursue. Yeah, absolutely. The first time we see him in 2023, 20 years after the loss of his daughter, he's still very broken, very emotionally walled off. Mm-hmm. And then they and then they start to share off she's like you know I mean, she wants to i guess she just wants to like break the the serious tone and she's uh and you know um and then laugh again so they she pulls out the book of puns she's asked him if he wants to hear some puns and do you guys remember oh what? no he asks her oh he, he asks her you know what i'm in the mood for i'm in the mood for puns there we go what was like that acceptance yeah, I remember what was one of them. It was like the what did the yellow grape tell the purple grape? Breathe. <laughs> and then what was the media? It was like the uh, what was the apocalypse one? That one made me laugh because she's like too soon. I th- I think I remember hearing that one verbatim in the game. Huh. Uh. And then there was the meteor one, which Joel gave it a zero out of ten, I think, or, or three out of ten. I can't remember. <laughs> I wish I were better at pun jokes. I think they're so funny. I think they're funny too. The dumber they are, the harder I laugh. <laughs> my son cracked one off at supper last night. They had me and my wife rolling because it was like it worked on two different levels and i was like, that's fucking brilliant aiden holy shit i, I don't know <laughs> this might be the most proud i've ever been as a father <laughs> <laughs> and then uh at this point while they're going over the puns um 
there's a flashbang grenade that is thrown and Joel sees it and immediately throws his body over Ellie's and then they, they go to the ground. Um, and then he gets hit in the head with the butt of a gun. Um, this is where, uh, Joel, we, we find him in a hospital waking up and, uh, Marlene is there and, Joel is at this point saying, you know, he wants to see Ellie. And she says that, you know, we, we can't take you to her right now. She's being prepped for surgery. And um, then goes into like how Ellie's immunity is caused by the cordyceps growth that has been in her since she was born. Um, releasing a chemical messenger that tricks the infection into thinking she is already infected. And so this doctor is hoping to replicate the chemical messenger in a lab and then possibly create a cure. Joel brings up the point like, you know, cordyceps grows in the brain and puts it together that Ellie's going to die in surgery. And um, Marlene lets him know, like, this is the only way it's she's the only person that we've found that, that, that is like this. We can't, there's no one else. Um, and it's just one of those things where it's like, I mean, what do I mean? It's all it's like, what do you do? I, I mean, I don't I, I think like I, I think you give her the choice. And I, we kind of talked about this earlier, but it's like it's it's all humanity or not. But like, don't you lose a little bit of that humanity when you don't give a child a choice? I mean, she's 14 for crying out well, loud. Well, that's exactly when you're that age. And also it's like she's been going this entire journey of this thought in her mind of, oh, I'm immune to this and they're going to be able to make a cure from me. And so in her mind, she's thinking hey, she's already lost people that she loved because of this. And if she can make it all go away, then that sacrifice is OK to her. But then it harkens back to what Joel told her earlier on, like, you don't know the world yet. And sure, she's experienced a, a, quite a bit of the world on this journey from from Boston to Salt Lake City, but she's still just a 14 year old child. And and when that choice that, you know, you're not you're not old enough yet, your brain's not fully developed enough to make that choice. And so that's why, you know, in, in the legal system that we have, at least in the states here, you're not allowed to make choices like that until you're 18, until you're an adult. And until then, your parents make those choices for you. And this is a choice that a parent wouldn't be able to make either. And and you see this with Joel and, and with Marlene. It's it's really interesting because she was there. She was there. She wasn't there when Ellie was born, but she was there right then after. And. Ellie's mother was her best friend that she had to take out, but she's shielded from this choice because she wasn't actually there to, she's never been around Ellie for any significant period of time. You know, she immediately just turned her over to Fedra, which is curious because that's the people that she was fighting. And, and then when it's time to now this girl might have some value, 
oh, okay, let's just cash these chips in and on the off chance that this might work. What about the promise to keep Ellie safe? Exactly. This is not keeping Ellie safe at all. And I, I, I'm, I'm 100% on Joel's side on this. It's, it's not even something that, that bears any thought at all of, of the maybe of let me sacrifice the thing that I love the most in the world that is a child so that maybe humanity can live on when when you see that yeah is there still some good in this world absolutely is there still a lot of absolute shit in this world and horrible people who don't deserve to still be drawing breath definitely definitely a lot of that and it's we're just seeing a slice of it between boston and uh, in salt lake city and it's all over the world that this is happening so that means that there's humans engaging in the worst types of behavior all over the world. And you're going to sacrifice something pure that you love on the off chance of saving that. It's, it's not even a question. Yeah. Um, Marlene tells a couple of the fireflies to, you know, escort Joel off the hospital grounds, take him to the highway, leave him with, I guess limited supplies and then and then that switchblade and if he tries anything shoot him. And um so they're walking Joel down a hallway, Joel stops. Is Joel when he's stopping is he is he looking around surveying kind of like where Ellie might be? I I figured he was just waiting for the place where the 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 like the 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 surroundings would be on his side the most okay and i waited until he's in that stairwell you thought he read the sign i thought he was reading the sign for the floors like to see where surgery was yeah Yeah. okay i must have missed that uh and then they start to walk down some stairs and uh, this is when joel stops on the stairs and i'm like yes Yes, here we go. Here we go. go. And man, he I think that he like turns around and doesn't he like he hits the guy, but he's got his hands on the gun and then shoots the other guy. And then the other guy's like, fuck you. And then he just is like, I don't have time for this. Pops him in the fucking head and then goes up the stairs and just starts. He is Denzel Washington in Man on Fire, if you've ever seen that. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking he's the Terminator in oh, that yeah. scene where he's just walking through. And I think that's an M1 carbine he's got right there. And he's putting that fucking thing to good use. Well, Man that's on good. Fire, if you've never seen that movie, it's with uh, he played the uh, uh, bodyguard for a very young Dakota Fanning in that movie. And she ends up getting kidnapped and he goes after her and the kidnappers and he just starts laying them out. And um, I mean, very, very brutal movie, man. And so if you liked watching this particular scene where a, a, a grown man is loves a child so much and is going to put his life on the line to to kill and. Uh, anyone that stands between him and this child, watch Man on Fire. It's literally like two hours of this. <laughs> so, oh, sweet. It's an incredible movie. <laughs> but, um, yeah, oh, God, Man on Fire made me fucking tear up, too. And I, it's it's another one of those, like, you're on the edge of your seat the entire time and, like, gritting your teeth. <laughs> um, 
Ooh, it's streaming on Tubi with ads. There you nice. go. Watch it on Tubi if you have to uh, rent it. No, you don't want to be interrupted. No, no fucking ads when you watch that movie. <laughs> yeah, rentals three ninety nine. That's that's not bad. You there know? you go. Fantastic movie. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, Joel is just popping these guys off uh, one after the, one after the other until he makes his way into the operating room, and they're getting ready to put uh they've already put ellie under and they're getting ready to perform the surgery and the um head surgeon there uh you know has a scalpel and he's like you know you can't do this and joel just fucking kills this guy (laughs) oh my when that doctor's like i won't let you take her and he doesn't even look at the doctor and just pops him yeah and then everybody else knows like this guy means business um, I just don't know if you need to be popping the doctors, right? <laughs> like, I mean, he was not it, it a reminded good me of like Monty Python because <laughs> like Monty Python when he's running into the wedding and he's just slaughtering all the guests too. <laughs> like, what are they? What are they gonna do? <laughs> are these, I didn't make nurses? that connection. Like, Dude, Billy, that's hilarious. too. <laughs> Yeah, doctors not faring very well in this show. You know, we we saw Kathleen murder that doctor in episode five, and or was that episode four? And and now the doctor in this one. But also, doctors take a Hippocratic oath to do no harm, and this guy's doing harm. And I'm sure he's writing it off for the greater good. But I I still say that this guy is that doctor's on the side of wrong because he's just operating on a theory. And he's willing to sacrifice a 14-year-old child for that theory. And I still say it's wrong. Oh, and yeah, I, I mean, well, 14-year-olds no don't system. get to be put under anesthesia without somebody signing something. Well, th- well, here's the – that's a fuck – like society as we know it is gone. Rules yeah. as – it's it's basically martial law, you know? It's like yeah. – th- but here's the thing. It's like that doctor, Ellie – like, we don't even know if Ellie would get any credit. This is something I don't think they're going to be wanting to advertise. And if they did, they'd say, like, this girl put this girl gave us consent, said, yes, you can do this. And but that doctor is going to be the one that lives and goes on. And if it's successful, that doctor gets all the glory for the cure. I hadn't even considered that. That's absolutely right. <sighs> yeah. I mean, think about how they're going to spin it. They're going to say that this or they're going to say that she was um, she was going to die anyway or something. They're going to spin it some way. They're not going to basically say like, oh, a, you know, unbeknownst to this 15 year old girl, we just knocked her out with anesthesia and killed her. And there's your cure. I mean, I just don't know if it's even worth like we've seen how like vaccines go over. I just don't know. Like, I just. It, this is not worth what they think they can do with it. You know, like do some science, get a test group. Like you're not just, like, uh, it's crazy. I think, you know, I'm surprised like, nobody I'm not... said like, let's just have laboring mothers get bit. <laughs> I mean, they've, uh, science has done wonders with experiments on, on mice and things like that, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, can we start there? Can we try to replicate it and maybe an animal or something? I mean, I mean, why do you jump straight to killing, murdering a 14-year-old, 15-year-old child? It's just... No, you got a very good point there. They're jumping right to the most extreme, like, uh, option. Yeah. 
Well, they're desperate. But on one hand, I don't even see why. Like, you already, Joe, you already reminded us, like, society is gone. And, yeah, it sucks that there's infected everywhere. But, like, even if you stop having that happen, like, what are you going back to? And what, hold on, like, is everyone going to get access to this or just the fireflies? Right. Right. Right? Because now I think that they're shady. Like, they have questionable ethics (laughs) i think that they've built up i think that at that point if they do get a cure there's nothing to stop them from saying we're going to build our perfect utopia with just fireflies and people that believe the way that we believe and not everyone's going to get access to this cure i don't trust them man i don't i don't trust them at all i don't feel like everybody's going to get access to this if and I know I'm thinking uh, way ahead, but and it might not even no, be something. No, you, you, dude, you're absolutely right. Not everybody's going to get access, and well, and also not everybody deserves access. But yeah, but who are they to say? Continue to be an extremely fucked up place for a very long time, because like you said earlier, society's already broken. Yeah, Th- this isn't something like we have a cure, and all of a sudden now. Within a short period of time, the world's going to come back and in society's going to flourish again. No, this is not only is the is finding a cure itself just a theory, being able to fix the world and and like the argument that Marlene makes to Joe or to Joel that that, you know, she's going to grow up in this world where where maybe she's going to get torn apart by infected or murdered by raiders. And it's like, hey, that could still happen to lots of that's still going to continue happening to lots of innocent people even if you do sacrifice this girl and come up with a cure the world's still going to be fucked for a very very long time and like people don't trust you so you can't even guarantee that everybody's going to even take this cure oh no you're gonna i mean there are gonna be people yeah like exactly that's a great point melissa because y'all just kill people now right like it's it's like so if they did offer it for everyone and then you've got people that are saying like, well, I don't you know what? I don't want to take that. I'm not going to put that into my body. Then what do they do at that point? Do they just put them down like dogs? Seems like something they would at least seriously consider. I wouldn't put it past them. Wow. This we get to the we've gotten to the moment of. Every episode of our reviews where Bill just stays quiet. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Um, Let's see here. Yeah. So at this point, yeah, Joel picks up Ellie and carries her into a I believe down from an elevator down into the hospital's car garage he finds a vehicle there and he's interrupted by Marlene who's holding him at gunpoint now as he's holding Ellie and she says um to Joel that you know you, you can't protect her forever and um you know like right now she can I mean we can we can we can we can still make this right you know even after all you've done we can make this right and we can make a difference in the world with with this with this possible cure and um 
Joel is basically saying like, you know, this is not your, you can't make that choice for her. This is not your choice to make. And, um, she says that neither can he. And Marlene knows that, you know, Ellie would choose to sacrifice herself. And so does Joel. I think Joel, Joel deep down, he knows it as well, you know, um, from his time with Ellie and, um, she puts the gun down and, and then is giving Joel a chance to do the right, what she feels is the right thing. And then the scene cuts. We don't get to see it at that moment. And we see Joel driving in a vehicle away from Salt Lake City. And we don't know. We don't know what happened. Like, I have not played the game. I have no idea what happens until I start to hear Ellie kind of like make noises in the backseat. And, um, just so, yeah, Bri, they that's in the game beat for beat as well, too. Wow. We're playing the game and it cuts away, and you have no idea what that happened. Oh. And so, it's like literally, if you had them side by side, it's identical. Wow, <laughs> dude, they did this adaptation right. It's like they knew what beats worked in the game, they they tweaked it where it needed to be tweaked to turn it into a television show. And they kept what needed to be kept, and that that it worked amazingly. It worked just perfect in the show. So if that's beat for beat for the game, then damn man, they knew what they were doing when they wrote that game. Joel starts to tell Ellie that you know um, they performed some tests, and that you know she's still getting over all the you know the drugs are wearing off and. They had other people that were immune like her, and they couldn't make a cure, and so they've given up. And then he said that the, you know, the hospital was attacked by raiders, and they had to leave. And that's she, she's wondering like, what, like, where are my clothes? Like, why didn't I get dressed? And because she's still in her hospital gown, and and uh, she asks if Marlene is okay. He doesn't say anything about Marlene. He just kind of shuts up about that, and then. Um, we get a flashback that shows us that uh, as soon as Marlene lowered her gun, uh, Joel shot her and and killed her. And um, what? Um, I mean, what a tactical error on Marlene's part, because earlier when Joel first wakes up and she's in the room. She says, you were the one guy I never wanted to be in debt to. I had a whole team of people with me to get me from Boston to here, and I barely made it. How did you do this? And so she knows that Joel is, I mean, not like, I, fucked with. not to be fucked with. He he is a killing machine. And, and for her to put her gun down like that, like, I understand she probably didn't want to take the risk of, of shooting and and hitting Ellie because the way that Joel was holding her. But I mean, wow, wow. To to lower her gun and think, I'm gonna be able to talk some sense into this guy who just went on like a a fucking Terminator rampage through this hospital and killed everybody. And I mean she, Yeah, go ahead. Do you see Tess around? Do you think Joel can be stopped? Yeah, she exactly. Knew them. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, you know, I mean, and that is the way it had to go. I can only imagine as soon as the gunfire started, 
Marlene just took off down to the garage because she knew that eventually Joel's going to need a way out. And this is where I can get the jump on him. And I think she fucked up by not setting up in a place where she was just sighting in that door to the parking garage. And as soon as it opened, she should have just immediately shot him in the face. But she tried to talk to him instead. She's. She thinks that she's right to the point where I think she thought she could talk him into it, which like way to fundamentally misunderstand Joel. <laughs> yeah. with Well, and maybe at that point, too, she thought that, you know, all oh, this guy, he's been in the QZ for years. We've worked with him. I, I knew his brother. I heard from his brother what he's like. This was a, a, a broken man. And I don't. You know, he's he's not going to be capable of this sort of connection. Maybe I can get through to him and and talk him into the fact that, you know, hey, we can save the world with this. And with her saying that, you know, it's not your choice, it's not my choice, it's Ellie's choice. I I still say that's not a choice a child can make. But, yeah, she felt enough conviction in her beliefs that she lowered her gun and it ended up being the last stupid thing she ever did. And, you know, well, Joel doesn't (laughs) Joel at this point, 20 years of this living in this world, he doesn't like to leave loose ends if he doesn't have to. And so he knows that if he lets her live, that she's just going to come after them with more fireflies. And so he just ends it right then and there. He's like, I'm basically like, I'm not leaving any loose ends. This I'm ending this today. I'm ending. Yeah. And I was kind of surprised that at the end too, Marlene resorted to begging for her life. I mean, you'd have to think at that point, I already misjudged this guy once, lowered my gun when I shouldn't have any shot me. Now I'm going to beg for my life like that's going to make a difference. Wow. Yeah, it's wild, man. Uh, Marlene shoots the mother 14 years earlier and the episode ends with Joel shooting Marlene. Nice little bookend to the story. Wow. Well, and and I wonder if it would change Ellie's mind to know that, hey, Marlene was there shortly after you were born. Your mother and her were best friends. And your mother, her last words were begging Marlene to take you and, and make sure you're safe. And now Marlene is ready to sacrifice you for the off chance that this might provide a cure That'll save a world that is potentially not worth saving because look what so many people have resorted to in, you know, in the wake of, of this apocalyptic event that has pushed people to this state of, of desperation, that they're willing to not even act like human beings anymore. Billy, don't 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 feel like you have to answer this. I'll ask the question. Don't feel like you have to answer it if it's going to spoil too much. But I get the feeling that maybe we haven't seen the last of Marlene. We could we possibly get like Marlene flashbacks, you know, in the last of us part two? Um, so through my playthrough so far, I haven't like seen any Marlene stuff. I will say that like, this isn't the last time you're going to like talk about like, obviously this is like this event, this day is really like, the pivot point the change point for their lives right and it's just you can see but how it ends and just the lingering questions and all but this like you said i don't think this is the last we will like talk about this event in general right and i think that's fair to say no matter what without knowing where the full story goes right it's Mm. like this 
this idea, everything you guys are putting out there are definitely questions so far that are being posed and are being addressed. And, you know, there is no real right answer, right? Why this show, why the game, it's so good because you, we can sit here for days and do more and more episodes and just keep debating this point. But the idea at the end of the day, is it just like what a human will do in the moment? And do we have enough faculty to think about all the, the possible consequences for our actions? And we really can't. And that's really evident in how Joel's finally started living right after so long. We said after the death of his daughter until really meeting Ellie and going on this journey, it wasn't even living. And he's just finally living again and finally thinking about what it can be. And so none of us would think about any other circumstances or any other repercussions outside of, can I keep this person safe right now? And so I think Joel even knows what Marlene's saying is true. Like he's like, you know, you can't protect anybody forever. You can't protect, none of us can protect ourselves forever. Right. But it, it doesn't matter. And it's just, it's these are the type of things that I think going into season two, what I'm most interested in seeing is how they extrapolate upon things that maybe weren't able to be done in, in the game because now we do have the full story. And so, like I said, we don't have her, but I do think the events and the things that she's putting out there and those questions she's posing will definitely live on going forward. Be interesting to see next season, like how Joel is handling living with this lie you know oh for sure that's this is going to be the point of contention coming in because the 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 way that this is left for interpretation at the end is you know with 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 ellie accepting this is what is she really thinking like what is what is the truth that she's feeling is is she accepting that Joel is lying to her? Is she accepting that, that she's like, okay, no, this is the truth. I'm is, it's very interesting how they left it open to interpretation. And it's not going to be until we see the way it plays out in the next season that we really get an answer to it, in my opinion. So they did do the official, so this wouldn't be a spoiler. So this was from the official podcast. Um, Druckmann did a podcast, Neil Druckmann, you know, the co-show runner and the writer of the games. And this question was posed. Um, what are we supposed to be left up for interpretation about whether Ellie believes Joel or not? And according to him, you are not supposed to think that that's not what's supposed to be up for interpretation. You're supposed to believe that Ellie thinks he's full of shit. But why is he lying? Is she OK with the lie? And we'll just accept the fact that he's doing what's best for her. Or will she not be able to let that go? But he said Druckmann is is come out and said that Ellie doesn't believe him for shit. But will the reasoning matter to her or not? Or will she let it go? Oh, wow. Okay, that's good to know. It definitely didn't feel like she believed him with her saying okay, the close up on her face and just cut to end of episode. Yeah, agreed. Is this it just really felt being... like, a, okay, that's how we're going to play it then? Like, <laughs> that's okay, the way I took it too. You're gonna you're gonna stick with that line <laughs> because she had said earlier that it, she had told Sam that her greatest fear was ending up alone, mm-hmm. and so Joel is the only thing she has. And up to this point, she's been able to really count on him to have her best interest at heart. 
And and now he doesn't necessarily have her best interest at heart. He has his own best interest. He's not willing to let his heart get hurt again. And so he did the exact opposite of what she wanted. I think she believes that, yeah, everybody in that hospital's dead, but she's probably got to be thinking, how did they actually die? What were the circumstances of it? And what are the what are the ramifications of that going to be? What is their relationship in season two going to be? Is she going to be trying to push away from him and he's doing everything he can to hold on to her. And so with what Marlene was saying there at the end is, Hey, she's going to grow up. She's going to leave you. You know, she's not just going to be a little girl and be by your side forever. And I, I think that that is a prophecy. I think that that's, what's going to happen is that this thing that he did to save her is ultimately going to be the wedge that is driven between them. Hmm. Yeah, I was trying to think of like next season, how different it would be if there's a moment where the two are separated, like it's not Joel and Ellie, it's they, you know, they're both in separate locations, maybe she takes off. I mean, something's going to happen. She's at that age where she's already had her first love, she's had her first kiss. And at the end of this episode, we see that they're, you know, Jackson is in sight. They're about to go back to this town where they can try and live this this idea of a, of a life that is as close to to what we had before the world fell as they can get. But I, I think that wedge is going to be there. And I think as soon as she finds somebody that that she's able to start a relationship with, that is going to be her growing up and moving away from him. And And who knows what sort of influence this other person might have over her. Is it eventually going to come to the point where she's going to be – I mean, I don't see how it doesn't come to the point in season two where she's just outright telling Joel, like, you took this choice away from me, mm -hmm. and now the whole world is fucked as a result because you weren't willing to let me go. You know, the Fireflies weren't the bad guy here. You are the bad guy. You, you, you are so selfish that you chose me over the world when she was trying to choose the world over her own self. But for him – as as feeling like this parent's love for her, it wasn't a choice at all. And that's really where I think the drama in this lies is that they're both right. And and right and wrong comes down to an issue of perspective. And from her perspective, and, and from mine as well, he's in the right. From her perspective, he's in the wrong. Mm. And and it's just so true to real life and, and true human experience and human nature that it's just another level of what makes this show brilliant. And I, I have faith in how good the writing was, not just in the original game, but but in the TV adaptation, that that is ground that they're going to tread in, in the second season. Uh, Billy, do you know uh, 100 percent that both Druckmann and uh, Craig Mazin are coming back and doing the second season? Yeah, I've seen some stuff where they even said like Bella Ramsey's gone up and like visited the writer's room and stuff like that. So they are they're plugging away. Well, it was revealed this past week that uh, the, you know, The Last of Us Part Two, they're going to be breaking that down, not in just one season. But it looks like we're going to get a couple more seasons of this show because I guess it's a pretty expansive game that they just can't fit into one season. No, for sure. They're just. There are more locations. Uh, there are definitely a good amount of, um, you know, what you would call like side characters developed. Definitely, obviously, characters returning 
you know, Joel, Ellie, Tommy, Jackson, a lot of that stuff is developed out more as well. So all those, there's a lot of story there. And like I said, I'm, I'm glad that I'm very curious though, if they try to film a lot of three with two, right? Because again, just with the players involved, like scheduling wise right so mm, yeah that part i'm curious about but it doesn't seem like in our time with these kind of like premium shows especially hbo ones that they're super concerned about gaps in between filming so maybe we won't have that who knows i had the thought that like it was like i, I wonder if it was always the plan for the second season to to be broken up into to two seasons or was it the fact that like this is such a powerhouse of a show and it's overtaken house of the dragon in viewership to where they're like, okay, this is our new cash cow. Like this, this is our new show. Like this is, you know, this is why HBO max is a destination. Oh, without a doubt. And, and to that point, there's no way that HBO would not let, you know, both, both of these, these uh, showrunners come back. If one of them would have been waffling, they'd have been like, all right, back up the truck of money. Yeah. (laughs) We're not, we're not letting this slip away from us. We're not letting this turn into the final season of game of Thrones for the end of this. We want to land this thing. I think there may have been an element though, as well, because Druckmann being the, the game director of the first two games wrote both games that like when they went and started to develop this, that pretty early on, they were like, look, like this is going well just a heads up like if you guys as far as like executives don't know like this is where the story's going even just from hours of gameplay and storyline and cutscenes, it is almost like double the length okay. so can you guys I, I think there's an element there where they probably knew that was coming but i don't think again Bri, they there's no way they could have predicted that it would grow week over week over yeah. week like that crap doesn't happen no and Another thing that I was reading this week was um, that uh, they're not recasting Bella Ramsey. And I guess that's because the next game, there's a considerable time jump. Did I read it was four years? Five years. Five years. So. Oh, wow. So they're not recasting, which in all honesty, you know, isn't she about 20 years old anyway? Yeah. yeah, she's technically older than Ellie is in the second game. I mean, you can age an actor up, you can age him down. So, I mean, there's different things that they can do. You know, they can give her, you know, they can just give her a different hairstyle or something. They can make her look closer to her, you know, 19, 20 year old age just with a few things. So um, I think it's smart keeping her around. She's just so damn talented. And I, I, I think you take a lot away um with uh, the chemistry that those two actors have built up playing these two characters, if you do recast. So I'm all without, without a doubt. Um, Yeah. I'm also really curious what's going to happen. I mean, it's a five year time jump. And so does that mean that they've spent five years in Jackson? And then with, with hearing that there's all sorts of different locations in, in the next game, what's going to happen to Jackson? It makes me really worry about that. That city is, is Ellie leaving? I mean, could it be something that comes to a head between her and Joel? And so she's like, fuck this. 
maybe maybe me and like a, a new love interest or something are out of here or is it is it something horrible like that that town is overrun mm-hmm. by by infected is it is it they get overrun by raiders they said they've been you know they don't advertise and so that's how they've been keeping off the radar it it makes me worry about the future for that town yeah now, now with a 5 year time jump she is going to be like the age where she can consent to her wishes you know if this does come out Oh my, what if it comes out and then she's like, all right, fuck that. Now I got to go find the fireflies again and say, you know, hey, you got to, I'm, I'm the one that's making the choice this time. Joel's not along for the ride. Well, and think of all the death that she's going to see over the next five years. Maybe people. Yeah, and if she maybe, just keeps blaming it on herself, thinking that well, this didn't need to happen. No, she's going to blame Joel. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, she would be blaming Joel. I'm sure that bit of it would be motivating her thinking like oh if i i need to go do this but for sure joel would be the focus of that blame you're well, right she's gonna be like listen you know so and so this person maybe another person very close to them they died like what if like what if tommy's young child that we know like you know his wife is pregnant they're gonna start a family and they've already had loss she's had loss like what if that child dies uh because of cordyceps and it's like, or anyone close, anyone close to them. And she finds out that Joel was the one that stopped the cure from happening. She's going to be like, listen, this person, this person, this person, they all could have been saved with my sacrifice. You can't do this just to keep me, Joel. Joel's got to go douse himself in the living waters of Salt Lake City. <laughs> so he can be redeemed. He's an apostate. <laughs> oh that was great <laughs> okay wow what a, what a fantastic season of television like uh, amazing amazing like they they really did like set a new bar for what video game adaption uh, adaptations need to strive for yeah. And, and, you know, I, I know there's a lot of complaints on online from people saying, oh, this is a zombie show with not enough zombies. But uh, uh, the, the real meat in zombie shows is, is the way that humans react to it. The, the, the human element of these post-apocalypse stories is really what makes it work. And, and this show bears that out. And, and being willing to change the source material where necessary and to not if it is based on an action game don't lean so heavily into the action give us action give us an idea of the world that they live in but don't make it all about that i understand that video games need to have a heavy element to that because playing the game it is super fun to to like creep up behind people as joel and and you know use the super hearing that he has in the game to to figure out the movement and rotation of guards and infected and then creep around behind them and take them out and stuff. But that, that works for a game. It doesn't work as well for a show, for a show to work. You need, you need to be able to connect to these characters and the best way is to, to show the, the true human interactions of what's going on in it. And I feel like this show really cracked the code on how to adapt these games. Brian, I was actually I, I meant to ask this yeah. early on, but I want to ask now because I know you're also a big Walking Dead person like I was. So yes. 
How would you stack up season one of the la- of the Last of Us to season one of The Walking Dead? Oh man, yeah, Frank Darabont versus Craig Mazin and Druckmann. Oh wow, that is that's a tough one, especially because of The Walking Dead coming out, you know, thirteen years ago, and me never seeing a zombie show quite like it before. Um. I think this has got more heart. Yeah. This has more heart. Um this story. Um uh, both have both nail the drama, both nail the cinematography. Oh man. I think The Walking Dead just as crazy as this may sound, like things felt way m- more desperate and bleak. Even though this is pretty damn bleak. It looks like it's like they're literally completely taken over these zombies. There was like, especially season one of The Walking Dead. Like, I think it's outside. also we. You have to keep in mind that we're watching The Walking Dead from Rick's point of view, which is literally weeks after the the uh, zombie virus hits. And in this, we've basically jumped ahead twenty years to where these people can adapt. Yeah, it. they've adapted to it. They've figured out how to live beside it. Whereas, yeah, in The Walking Dead, it is just these people don't – it's still all new to them. Yeah, because Rick is like – he's in a he's in a coma for like two to three weeks and then comes out of it realizing like, you know, like holy – like he comes out of a coma in the hospital that's basically been pretty much abandoned except for like yeah. the dead people that have been left there. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's – yeah, I think maybe that's why it feels more bleak. Is because it's so early on, you know? No, that makes sense. Had you read the comics before you watched the show? Uh, The Walking Dead comics? Yeah. I started reading after the first season. Okay, gotcha. I started reading after the first season came out, and then I got up to... uh, I stopped reading after issue 100. (laughs) See, and I had gotten up to that point and dropped off the comics... And then the show came out way later. And I remember people at work talking about it and going on and on about it. I'm like, just wait. Don't break your fucking heart. <laughs> just wait. <Yeah. laughs> if they if they do a true adaptation, this show is going to break your heart. And that's what got me with the comics where I was like, I just – I empathize with characters so much that to just see characters I love take L's over and over and over again. It got to the point where it was too much for me. Um, but I mean still, I think it's – it's the most amazing piece of zombie fiction I've ever read. But I, I just think that, and I admire Kirkman in that way because they, as a writer, it's very hard to kill your babies. And <laughs> that fucker has no problem with it. <laughs> <laughs> he knows they're not real. Yeah. He knows very well. They're not real to me. My characters, like if I do something horrible to my characters, I feel like I personally did that. Like, like that scene in last action hero where Arnold, we you know where, where he meets the real Arnold Schwarzenegger and he's like, you've brought me nothing but pain. And it's like that, you know, I don't want my characters to say that to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. People don't know that, uh, Joe, that you're a writer. So you should tell people about your book when we wrap this oh, up. That, that is true. Like speaking of zombie stories, I've written a post-apocalyptic zombie story. It's, it's uh in it much like the last of us like this is the only comparison to it i will make <laughs> is is that uh 
it, it does take place some years after the initial inf- infection where where people have figured out how to work around the how to how to continue living in this world that that is overrun by the undead and uh yeah i wrote a story it's called i become death it's available on on amazon audible itunes and it is a it's about a team of zombie hunters that specialize in hand-to-hand combat to clear out cities and make them habitable and they get handed a mission where they need to escort an assassin through the wild through uncleared territory to help liberate a town that's being held captive by a warlord with a shitload of mercenaries under his grasp yeah check it out i become death uh and then you also did the audio version for uh, audible.com i believe that's right. I, I read the audiobook for it. So it's yeah. it's on iTunes, uh, Amazon. If, you, if you're into print copies, you can get a print copy off Amazon or you can read it on like the Kindle uh, market or it, it is also on Audible if you like to listen to your books. Guys, any final thoughts on the episode or any, uh, th- I guess, except for Billy, any theories about what we could be seeing in uh, season two? I did find the joke. It was um, people are making apocalypse jokes like there's no tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, oh, too soon. <laughs> and he says it's topical. No, it's topical. Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah. It is a funny joke. Yeah. Um, in terms of season two, I, I, I think that that the way that this season left off, I, I think that the that is the indicator of what's to come. I, I think that that Joel's choice here. I think he chose to save Ellie, and in the end, it's going to, instead of sacrificing her, he will have sacrificed his relationship with her, and and I don't think that, that she's going to be in his life for the long haul as a result. I honestly don't know how... What I would want Joel to tell her is, how could I live with myself letting them do that to you. Yeah. And I think for her struggle is going to be, how can I live with myself and how can I live around you knowing that every time somebody close to me dies as a result of this, that it could have been prevented had you allowed me to go through with it. Yeah. Well, I think she maybe could have gotten over that because there's always a way forward. Let's find another doctor. Hopefully like, you know, she can grow up to where we're all comfortable with her making a decision. Not comfortable, but you guys know what I mean. But like he lied and she knows it. So I just think that we are going to see a ton of fallout from that because I don't think she can trust anything he says or does now. This is why it's so important to, uh, to, to outline this stuff in your will. Like, you know, can your family pull the plug on you? you right. <laughs> they should have had this conversation. advanced directive right now. Right after they got done petting giraffes, they should have had this conversation. You know, yeah, she, she just scribbled it on the back page of that pun book. Right. <laughs> but no, I want to guys, I, I want to thank you uh, guys for, uh, you know, doing this uh, with me every week. I had a I had a blast talking uh, with you guys every week about every episode. I think it uh, it makes watching these more enjoyable. I think a lot of people, when they watch a show like this, 
uh, want a group of people they can sit down and talk to about it. So even if they're not on the episodes with us, they got they get to sit in and listen to our conversations and listen to us theorize and and you know break down our thoughts about the episode. But I just want to thank you guys for for joining me for the you know for the past nine weeks uh, throughout this first season. Oh, dude, absolutely! I've looked forward to this every single week, and you know, l- like I said. When, um, you know, in the past when we broke down like rings of power and stuff, it, it's it's easy to come together every week and and look forward to discussing these when the show is excellent. And, and this show was so excellent. It, it really it, it, it's it really fostered that that sort of discussion just because the writing is so strong. The the scenarios that we see these characters in are worthy of discussion and every time an episode was done, I was like, oh, I'm I'm resisting talking about it in the group chat because I need to save it for for mm-hmm. when we record. And and then when we got a chance to record, we were able to really jump into these with theorizing and and just gushing over the parts we loved and, and commiserating over the parts that we were concerned over. It, it it really did take the show to another level for me. Yeah, I I agree, Joe. The idea of us being able to go there and honestly, like you mentioned, Rings of Power and this, a big part of it is that like I love having these conversations with you guys. Brian, have to thank you. Always coming super prepped with the outlines and the notes and everything like that. And Melissa, Joe, like all the input is awesome. And I appreciate you guys, including me and allowing me to kind of um, be the little inside scooper for you guys. And um Honestly, just looking at forward to figure out what the next recap show will be. <laughs> yeah, this is a recap shows are my favorite types of podcasts. So this has really been a dream come true. A little podcaster's <laughs> awesome. dream come true. <laughs> yeah, it's like one of those things where I knew Melissa was listening to my past recap shows. She had listened to, you know, I think that's how you found it is. Uh, I, yeah. I started listening to PCL when there stopped being recap shows. Yeah. So it's it's one of those <laughs> things where it was like uh, Melissa loves listening to the to the recap shows that, that I've that I've put out, which, you know, it's, it's a huge compliment. And I thought, like, what's the best way to kind of like, you know, uh I, I guess repay her for all of her, like her, no, your, no, I'm serious for like all your loyal listening. And, and, uh, you know, you've let, you left a review on our rings of power and I was like, man, you know, we, you're a great resource when we have you on uh, regular episodes. And I, you know, I always like your insight. And, uh, so I was like, man, it'd be great to, to have her involved in this. And, and you, you said yes. And I think it, I think it, I think it worked out really well, and it's been great having you on. And so hopefully you'll be back for season two. I hope so, too. I do want to say, though, the worst member of this team by far was fucking Jake. It was like he wasn't even here <laughs> at all. Like, such, such a jerk. He just hangs out in the group chat. <laughs> yeah, he's <laughs> It's so true. <laughs> He'll never hear this too, because I don't even. <laughs> yeah, that's the best part. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But what's funny is earlier I was like, "I wonder if Jake will jump on for the finale," and I'm like, "Are you kidding?" He was on a regular episode of PCL cards. this week. I don't even the pictures of magic cards today. <laughs> I don't even think Jake's watching this show. I'll be honest with you. I don't even think Jake's watching it. So. Uh, <laughs> that is the question that needs to be asked. That's yeah. too funny, Brian. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he's watching it. 
But he's fucking missing out. Yeah. <laughs> he's too busy watching American Gladiator reruns on Pluto TV. So... <laughs> But I, I want to thank all the listeners that have joined us each and every week uh, for this. And uh, I uh, am firmly committed to coming back and discussing s- season two uh, with you when it does return. So looking forward Absolutely. to that. But uh, yeah, until then, we're going to wrap. And uh, seriously, again, thank you to all the listeners. Thank you to you guys. And we will see you next season, whenever that will be. See you guys. Later. Peace. Bye.